Hello to all of our quality-minded listeners. A special shout out to our Mayo Clinic Care Network members. Welcome to Key into Quality, a Mayo Clinic podcast focusing on healthcare quality, experience, and affordability trends and solutions. Today, we're going to be learning about how to convert the ordinary to the extraordinary in patient experience. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Dr. Tim Morgenthaler, a professor of medicine here at Mayo Clinic and the vice chair of Mayo Clinic Quality. Now, I'm going to bet that each of our listeners have had a dinner with someone sometime in the last month. Okay, now I want you just to recall one of those dinners. Do you have it in mind? All right. So now I want you to think about that same dinner, but this time I want to infuse that memory with sensory details and emotions. Describe the aroma of the food, the warmth of the laughter, the texture of the tablecloth, or was it a bare table, the subtle nuances in the conversation, the embarrassing moments. Just think about how all these elements made you feel. For instance, maybe you're thinking, I can still smell the garlic and the herbs wafting in from the kitchen, or I can still hear my sister's laughter ringing in throughout the air, or maybe you're remembering something that you were annoyed about, or maybe there were other circumstances. You fill out your memory, they're yours. Fill it out with the details about the sights, the smells, the sounds, and the feelings. Now, you could view the dinner as a transaction. I mean, hey, we all need food, right? I'm hungry, feed me, done. But as you thought about your dinner, you actually had an experience. And was it a great experience or was it just so-so? And what made it that way? Well, in healthcare, we could view medical care as a transaction. Bone broke, we fix it. Thyroid low, we replace it. Something wrong, we diagnose it. But healthcare inherently involves a deeply personal and often vulnerable human interaction. When a person seeks medical care, they're not just seeking a service, they are entrusting their health, well being, and often their lives to another human being. And this trust establishes a unique bond between the patient and the healthcare provider. Unlike typical transactions, healthcare often occurs at times of stress, fear, uncertainty, and hope. The emotions involved can be intense and varied, ranging from relief to gratitude, to anxiety, to grief. And whether or not these experiences make lasting relationships or are only very brief, healthcare profoundly affects people personally. So how do we build our practices and services to transform healthcare from a transaction to a deeply human experience, one that's great for patients and for those on the team that provide the care? How do we work and learn together to deliver truly great care that gives hope to patients, not just this year, not just next year, but year after year? That's the topic of today's talk. I'm excited today to be with Sheila Stevens, but hosting today's conversation with me is Sherry Nemec. Sherry? Hi, thanks, Dr. Morgenthaler. I'm Sherry Nemec, Consultation Relationship Manager for Quality. I like how you got us thinking about that recent dinner experience. You know, was it good? Was it bad? And even our listeners on this podcast are having an experience right now because you cannot not have an experience. So like you said, excited today to talk with Sheila. We're going to learn a little bit more about not only how we train staff, but how we really engage with them to enhance the overall human experience at Mayo Clinic. Yeah, and we are so lucky to have Sheila Stevens here today. Sheila is a quality administrator providing oversight for experience training, education, and coaching 
a nice little acronym that we have to ha use called XTech. It's our XTech team. Sheila, welcome to our show. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? How long have you been working at Mayo and whatever you think might be interesting? Yes, thank you for having me. So I've been at Mayo a little bit over 20 years and my background is in counseling and therapy. I have done therapy and addictions and marriage therapy and family therapy. Eventually I moved from the clinical to management. <clears throat> now I lead this ex-tech team, which is really a specialized team and they are experts in interpersonal communication. So most of us do have a background in some kind of psychology counseling or other area where we've really dug in deep to in interpersonal communication and creating human connection. Thank you so much for that. Now, in my little spiel to try to get people interested in thinking about experience and not just transactions, I dropped the word hope. I know that hope is a word hope and it's a concept hope, but it's also an acronym. Maybe you could just explain to us what is the context for hope as an acronym and what does it have to do with experience at Mayo Clinic? Yeah, sure. So we're always looking to enhance the experience of both our staff and our patients. And when we think about service or service behaviors, aid it sometimes comes to mind. Most healthcare organizations or people that work in healthcare will recognize aid it as a service essential. And it's great. AIDIT is really nice, but the timing felt right for us to look at some new standard. It's been around for many years and a lot has changed in healthcare. So we wanted to create new standards of service and we decided to call them experience essentials because we believe they're essential to our experience. And that's really how we came up with HOPE, which is a set of essentials that we think we need while we interact with each other and with our patients. So Sheila, let's dig into this hope a little bit. And uh, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about the letter H. Yeah, so the letter H stands for human connection. And it means we put people first. Human connection really is the foundation for all of our communication goals. And that's really what we intend with the H. And it it means acknowledging others with warmth, with that eye contact, body language, tone of voice, mindful presence. It's listening with curiosity and showing sincerity. It's, it's validating people, legitimizing them. And when we really listen, we can validate others by reflecting back what they have just said. You know, for example, when someone calls to make an appointment, we want our schedulers to pay attention to the human on the other end and not just think about that appointment slot. So if that, if that patient is saying something like, oh, I need an appointment, I have such pain in my back, I can hardly move, it's been really impacting me and blah, blah, blah. We want our, our schedulers to really listen to that and take that human being into consideration and reflect back, Mrs. Smith you are in severe pain and it's really impacting everything. And then look for slots and talk about what they might be able to do. But we don't want to just jump to those transactions that Dr. Morgenthaler was talking about. We want to have that human connection. Yeah, I just have one quick question that I, I or thought about this too, is that emphasis on people. So this isn't just about patients Correct. and services, but this is about everyone, right? Our staff, everyone we interact with. So I just wanted to emphasize that for people listening today. Yeah, for sure. These experience essentials were to enhance the experience of both our staff and our patients. And when we created these essentials, 
we looked at best service practices in general. We even looked at service behaviors from other organizations, including some that weren't even in healthcare. And we looked at our values, our goals, our 2030 plan, our culture, our history. And after that lengthy review of many sources, we wanted to make sure we came up with behaviors that would provide excellent service to each other from colleague to colleague, as well as with our patients. I want to just pick your brain a little bit more on this, because I, I remember a few years back when you all started working on some of the concepts that have gone into this new acronym. They, weren't, they aren't all new concepts, but this issue about making that personal connection, listening with curiosity, and then reflecting that back. How do you go about training people to do those things? Because I, I know it comes more naturally for some people than others. What are sort of the steps? Can you break it down a little bit for us? Yeah, for sure. So the human connection, as I said, it, it's really about that mindful present and listening. And so we can still establish some of that human connection, but that advanced skill that you talk about of reflective listening, we call it empathic reflective listening. And so it is a skill. So it does involve training and it involves practice and, and it might feel awkward or uncomfortable at first, but we do a lot of training and we do some skills practice and we ask people, you know, practice with your spouse, practice with your kids to learn how to become a better listener and a better reflector. When you look at a lot of things like eye contact, did I shake somebody's hand? Did I smile? Those are all strategies that you can check off a list, but you're right when it comes to reflective listening, it is a skill, so it does take a lot more practice. All right, let's keep moving on with the hope. I think we're at the O. So the O stands for ownership, and that means we bring our best selves. It means bring your best self to work and take pride in what you do with every interaction with each other and with patients. It's really owning your attitude and behaviors. And part of this also means that we want to encourage people to use responsible freedom to carry out acts with autonomy to do the right thing. So that means if there is a service failure, fix it. Do what you can, use your autonomy to restore that trust in Mayo Clinic or restore trust in your colleague when things go wrong. So it's really about own that service you're providing and really own it. Yeah, I think that concept about responsible freedom, you know, that hasn't necessarily been in our vocabulary real long. But I really like the idea that it says, right, we're going to support you if you're leaning in and doing the right pe thing for the people around you, right? We want you to do that. Yes, exactly. And before we move on to the P, because I know people are thinking about the P, with the ownership, so you've spoken about kind of personal ownership that, you know, when I sit down in the morning with my first patient of the day, I need to be the best physician and human that I can be. I need to be present. I need to be listening. I need to be interested. And it's view it as a pleasure, you know, as a pleasure and a privilege to be there and reflect that back to them. What about organizational ownership? Is there a concept about a work unit or a division or our organization's ownership in this HOPE acronym? Well, I think that comes from our value of teamwork. And for sure, we want to own things as a team. I mean, we know it takes a village for everything that we do. And not one person at Mayo matters more than the team collectively. So there is some ownership in the organization and, and each unit and each department, they establish how they take ownership of care and what they do. But we also want to reiterate from a bigger picture that each person, that you bring your best self to work every single day. And think about that. 
did I live my best self today at work? That's awesome. Sheila, how about the letter P? So personalized service. Now that means we create moments that matter. And then so paying attention, being very mindful of that human being in front of us, providing care that's not just respectful or responsive, but it fits with that individual unique person that we're interacting with. And we want to elevate service, whether we're in a team meeting or whether we're working with patients, we want to elevate that service in the most personalized manner. So for example, maybe for a colleague who's just not feeling well, you might go get them their favorite tea. I love this example for a patient. It was written in our news article internally several months ago. It was about a a patient who came from a warm climate to Rochester. And when she looked out her window as an inpatient, she saw the snow on the ground and she was telling her nurse that it brought back some fond memories of being younger and laying in the snow and making snow angels. So that nurse actually went out in the snow, laid down, made a snow angel, and came back and had the picture like out the window. That is personalized oh, service. I love that's that. what we're talking about. The beauty of that is, you know, it was as much fun for the nurse as it was for the patient. <laughs> I mean, they both. Right. I mean, Joy for both. I mean, when you're yeah. free to do that, you leave yeah. feeling better about your day. I mean, it's that's just wonderful. What about the E in hope? So the E in hope represents everyone matters. And the statement for that is we are stronger together. And when you think about what were we thinking about behind this everyone matters? Well, we were thinking about two different things. One is supporting diversity and inclusion, really thinking about everyone matters and we want to put aside judgments and we want to recognize people's strengths and the uniqueness that everybody brings to the table. The other part of everyone matters means team members, collaborating with team members. It's one of our important values. It's what really makes us shine is how we work as a team and being open to the perspective of others, whether it's from a diversity inclusion standpoint or from a team standpoint. It also means welcoming family members into care when appropriate. It's it's basically treating everybody with the utmost respect. Sheila, what I'm just curious about how this is really being delivered or how people experience hope, experience essentials. So how are you bringing all of these concepts in this vision to everyone at Mayo? Well, we've had some pro- promotional events. We had a poster coloring event around each letter in hope. We've had several news articles internally. We think it's really important that our leaders have that positive and invigorating energy around this in order to start from the top down. So we want them to role model the behaviors and all that they do. So we did create a program specifically for leaders to help them really understand and to help them assist with how to roll it out to their staff. We'll continue to try to find other ways to get some contagious energizing around these components. And we also plan to put them into our orientation program for new hires. Terrific. Thank you for that. So as these concepts permeate everybody's day-to-day work, what do you think will be the impact on patients and on our coworkers at Mayo Clinic? Well, I think for sure it will boost morale. I think that it also has outcomes 
higher for patients. I think it'll have higher patient satisfaction. And I think it'll have higher employee satisfaction. When we use this with each other and with patients, it makes us feel better. Like you mentioned about the person who went out and did the snow angel. I know a lot of organizations are trying to think about improving the experience to their patients, families, et cetera, and how to go about doing that. I mean, you mentioned concepts like AIDIT and other different types of service standards at the beginning of the conversation. But what would you say to an organization that's just trying to maybe refresh or reframe or or find something their staff can get engaged with and, and energized by? Where would you recommend they start? Well, for one thing, I'd say be thoughtful in the approach and not necessarily make this a training program. One of our taglines to this program is, this is who we are and what we do. And so I would see frame it more as an inspirational opportunity. We are already doing this. And if we're not, we should be. And probably every organization feels that way. I would also say start at the top to get all the leaders familiar with the program and then reiterate that this is best for morale and for outcomes. And uh, it's a win-win for everyone. I love that it doesn't feel like a checklist. I mean, so many of the things we've done in the past and service standards just, you know, feel like, oh, done, check, check, check. And like you said, this is more about who we are and what we bring to work every day and our own humanness. And and that goes to genuineness and how we interact. I just, I love the whole concept. Yeah. And I also appreciate that it's not, you know, mandatory training yeah. like the uh, work-life balance meetings that will occur on Saturday mornings at 630. <laughs> um, <clears throat> as I read about your program, I mean, there's a lot of research that you all have done from internal yeah. and external surveys, plus literature reviews and so forth to go into it. But it ends up being, I think, both, you know, somewhat aspirational, although I think this is Mayo Clinic's culture. But it's inspirational. It, it gives us a way to think about how we're going to interact with one another, uh, whether it be colleagues at work or, or patients. What else do you want to tell us about this work? How has it been going for you? What do you think are uh, the areas that need to be buffed and shined a bit more? And, and what are you thinking about next in this area? I think this is going really well. You know, we did pilot this very intentionally with some groups and got some feedback and edited some things. But everybody who has taken it has given us really positive feedback. They feel good when they are reminded of who we are and what we do. And they feel good looking for ways to bring their best selves to work, to give personalized service to everybody, to take ownership and to be inclusive. So I think it's going really well. I think the next steps are there's a lot going on in society and in healthcare and in Mayo Clinic right now. So we just have to be mindful of that and be careful that we do make this inspirational and not forceful. And then we just need our leaders to promote it just like we do our values. And then we have to make sure that it fits and aligns with every other program that Mayo Clinic is putting out right now. Yeah. I just want to say thank you for meeting with us, first of all, and just to learn more about this. I want to thank you more than that, to be honest, for the work that you've done, because I will tell you that the techniques, skills, messages that you have delivered to me and my colleagues, you've, you've helped us become better leaders, better servants of, of one another, and better physicians and healthcare givers. And I really, from my bottom of my heart, I appreciate that. It, it's made an impact on me and I know on my patients. So thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I'll, I'll relay that to the team. And I also want to thank you and everybody at Mayo Clinic because we learn from everybody 
as much as we put out. So thanks for everything we learned from you and from each member of our team at Mayo Clinic. Yes. Thank you so much. So we have come to the end of our podcast. We're really glad that all of you could join us and hope that the information provided is insightful, valuable, and inspirational. And again, Mayo Clinic's Key into Quality podcast aims to highlight some first steps in addressing what we think are very important quality challenges in our organizations. Our goal is to improve the quality for patients and the populations that we all serve. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would be really grateful if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a rating on Spotify, or Feedpack, wherever it is that you listen. You can also follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.